got a special guest of us with myself and Matthew and Ant is joining us live HRH the uh, Her Royal Highness the Queen of Heden herself Rachel Marie how are you Rachel thanks for coming on I am great thank you guys for having me it's nice to get to talk to uh, some Lions fans from over the pond probably a new and interesting perspective for me no yeah we appreciate you coming on and taking time out of your busy day your schedule uh, the first question is, we've had a look, we've had a look, we know roughly what you do, we've had a look at your work now, working for part of Woodyard Sports, you've also got your TikTok, your YouTube, part of the DSA, the Detroit Sports Alliance, you uh, do weekly studies there, but tell us about more like yourself, where you studied, where you grew up, where you're from, like how you got into the journalism side of things for our fans here. So I actually was not born in Detroit. I was born in Denver, Colorado, but my mom was pregnant with me when they left Detroit. My parents were both born and raised there. Um, definitely spent every Sunday watching Lions football with my dad, which not only strengthened our bond, but definitely made me very loyal and passionate about this team. Um, and as I got older, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, you know, went to school, got a major that I'm not using right now, like a lot of other people did. Um, and I put time and thought into what I'm passionate about and it hit me. I love Lions football. I, I can talk about it day in and day out. I'm dead serious about it on Sundays. So I wanted to do uh, what they tell you to do and put some effort and time into something that I love. So starting the YouTube channel was just a bit of a passion project for me. And um I've done everything there from parodies and almost like comedic takes uh, to analysis and kind of just giving a female perspective on the sport as well. I appreciate that. So we wanted the female take and analysis, like you say, because we don't see a lot of it in Detroit sports football. I don't know of many other female analysts. And it's good that, like I say, we're able to laugh at ourselves because we know the team is sometimes a bit up and down. So we've got to be able to roll with the punches. So you get the comical side really well, both then to the deep dive, the analysis. Uh, so what have you been working on currently and what have you got possibly in the future? You can let us know. So currently you'll find most of the things that I'm making through the Woodward Sports Network. Uh, they are one of Detroit's first all digital media networks. I make TikToks for them. It's challenging to kind of stay up with that every single day, Monday through Friday, but it, it really puts me to the test to not only research what's trending there, but to also stay on topic with Detroit sports. Um, and I do put out a YouTube video for them every Friday night. Uh, it's usually about eight o'clock, sometimes a little bit later, but just keeping everybody up to date on the latest Detroit uh, Lions news and rumors. Um, we're in a little bit of the football doldrums right now when it comes to Lions news. 
Um, so a lot of it recently is interaction with other people on Twitter and kind of building stories from there. Uh, the DSA will definitely get back to regular weekly shows on Tuesdays and or Thursdays. When you get closer to the regular season, we'll have the whole round table to be able to talk about that. Um, plus come closer to the regular season. I know my role with Woodward um, will probably change somewhat and become a little bit more interactive and um, a little bit more in depth as well. So as we get closer, definitely be keeping an eye out for that. I appreciate that. I understand what you mean. Like in the off season with OTAs, like the news can be a bit slow. Like say you're looking at who's making cuts, the open odd roster spot before we get to a, a camp or preseason. So it's slowly ticking it and you need to find that content and like you say, wait for things to happen. So I could totally understand that we're in the same. So we've been interacting yeah. as well. Me and Ant, we've been on some podcasts this week in the UK, like say just uh, bashing home the Lions brand trying to get some more fans on board. Uh, I believe that we asked some of our UK fans some questions to ask you. Matthew, sure. you got some of them? Yeah, uh, from Dan Pask on Twitter, he said, what part of the defence are you most excited to see this year? I love that question. It's not super specific, um, but my answer isn't either because I'm actually just excited to see how it comes together as a whole specifically whether they're able to generate uh, pressure with their front seven and then by default help their secondary improve as well. Um, coming out of this last era with Matt Patricia and just this overcomplicated defensive scheme, I'm just excited to see how they're going to use these players, not in the sense that they're using them because this is the scheme and that's where you have to be, but in, in the sense that this is your skill set and where you're going to succeed. And so, therefore, we're going to build you up in that sense. I'm definitely excited to see how Aaron Glenn and Aubrey Pleasant are able to work with some of these younger DBs. Uh, they're really, really great at getting everything you can out of young talent. So, um, not a super specific answer, but I guess it's the defense as a whole because it's just been such a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I do have another, but maybe I'll, I'll save that for a little bit later on. And okay. have you got a question? Um, yeah, um, Tarek, first, just, just wanted to say um, congratulations. I believe you were, got married recently. We saw that on there. Thank so you. we just want to say congratulations to you and your other half. Um, going back to sort of your media career, obviously getting started in that, is there anyone who sort of inspired you to do that? Any sort of broadcaster that you, you know, inspired you to get into? that particular role is there anyone you try and base yourself on or are you trying to just carve completely your own niche out as you go along I would say it's a little bit of both um I always watched Tori Petri covering the Lions and I thought that is my dream job I would love to be down there like interacting with the players and getting to interact with the fans at the games and whatnot um so she was definitely a role model um, but otherwise, I would really have to say that my husband kind of gave me the little kick that I needed to get started. Um, he knew how badly I wanted to turn my passion for this team into something um, that maybe could stay around for a while and that could be fun and entertaining and could connect me to the Detroit community. Um, because I don't know if you guys know this, but I actually do live in Florida so um, it's also a way to just kind of connect with the fans up there and 
um, feel like I'm a part of it when and not have to be in the snow during the winters and whatnot. So he actually gave me the kick in the butt that I needed to really start this project. Oh, excellent. I mentioned you live in Florida. Kind of just like how, what's it like being a Lions fan in Florida? Do you know of many more or are you kind of like down there on your own just flying the flag or? It's a lot of, oh yeah, I'm a Lions fan. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, very <laughs> standard, standard answer. But I do know some local Detroit fans as well. Um, actually, my husband, before I ever met him, he has a very good friend who was born and raised in Flint. He and his cousin live here. They're diehard Lions fans. Um, and, and they've kind of met some other people from up in Michigan that have relocated down to Florida. So there's at least a small group of us here in Orlando that I am blessed to get to watch the games with on Sundays. We go over there and cook out and, you know, you're, you're not completely alone. So that's nice. <laughs> you get the best of both worlds. You can have a barbecue and watch the football. Exactly. <laughs> From your career so far doing this, do you have a particular moment that stands out that you think like either that was the most fun or that was my best work, you know, that kind of just really sticks out to you? So I think my favorite moment, the one that sticks out to me the most, um, I was lucky enough to meet a new media producer for the Detroit Lions. He's now a senior media producer for them. Um, we got to connect when I was going to a game in Chicago. I go to an away game every year until I've seen all the NFL stadiums uh, and got to connect with him in Chicago. And he actually offered me on field passes for before the game. So we were out there on Soldier Field. It was freezing. It was 30 degrees and overcast. And I'm thin blooded living in Florida. But I mean, it was amazing to be down there next to the players. I mean, we were right on the sideline where um, the defensive line was warming up and I was blown away. I mean, you read about how big these guys are, but when you're standing next to somebody that's six, five, 300 pounds, it kind of takes your breath away. You are, you're kind of in shock. And um, I was wearing a Darius Slay jersey when he ran out onto the field, he saw the jersey and said, Hey, I like your Jersey. And I tried to play it so cool. Instead of like fangirling, I was like, hell yeah, big play. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but nice. that was a really great moment for me. And it's definitely one of the ones that stands out just kind of being down there that close to all the action. Mm. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm very jealous. <laughs> if you had to pick, do you, uh, who are your current favorite players? Like if you had to pick just people on the roster right now, because, you know, we've had a big turnover, but who are your go-to guys for this season? Who do you think is going to have, have a standout season? Who do you think could uh, surprise a few people? So my favorite player currently on the roster, and I think I'm going to get his jersey because I keep getting these skill position players and then we trade them away. I literally have seven jerseys, none of which are, none of the players are still on the team. So um, that's a lot of money, but uh, currently, my favorite player is Frank Ragnow. I just think he's an outstanding guy, an outstanding player, obviously an integral piece of this O-line that we're putting together, which if all things pan out, seems like it's going to be 
at least top 10, if not top five in the league this year. Um, so I'm going to go with his Jersey this next time, because at least he just got a contract extension as well. I know he's going to be around for a bit, but, um, as far as standout players, uh, this season, I, I know we saw last year, TJ Hawkinson definitely taking a big leap as far as his play. And I think he's going to continue to do so, um, with not so much of a focus on wide receiver this off season. I think Hawkinson's going to be a huge target for Jared Goff. Seems like they've been vibing really well uh, during OTAs and minicamp so far. Uh, so I think he's set to make a big, big splash. He was named to one of the top, uh, top 25 players under 25 um, as well. So he's definitely somebody people are taking notice of. Somebody that people aren't taking notice of that I also think is set to take a leap this year is going to be probably a couple of the guys in your secondary, like Jeff Akuda, Amani Arwarie. Um, there's a lot of competition at corner right now, bringing in Quentin Dunbar and drafting Efetu Melifonwu. Um, so I think it's going to really bring out the best in some of these guys. Um, especially Amani Arwarie, he's coming to the end of a rookie deal as far as his long-term situation and then improvement on the front seven should just significantly make it easier for them to excel. So I would definitely look out for them as well. Like I say, I completely agree. Like I say, the secondary should hopefully look a lot better this year. If we can generate that pressure, we've got a healthy flowers for once, which is going to be important because he's, he's earned a lot of money. And then Aquara is going to be potentially an outside linebacker. So we've got a lot of uh, firepower on the outside with Brockers in the middle. So I'm excited to see if we can limit the time in the pocket for the passer. And like I say, everything should help on the defence. Absolutely. Um, just quickly while we're on sort of the, the draft guys and that, have you heard much about our undrafted free agent classes? Is there much chatter going on about them as to who's doing well, who might be making the team, if... Is there anything that's sort of come out from any of the guys there? So I know that they did already cut Jonathan Adams. Um, he was one of the wide receivers uh, that they picked up as an undrafted free agent. They actually gave him $90,000 guaranteed to come and practice with the team at OTAs and minicamp, I guess, decided that they didn't see um, much there. I've definitely heard good things coming out of minicamp about Javon McKinley, another one of those undrafted free agent wide receivers from Notre Dame. Um, he did struggle with some injuries in college. However, his senior season, he was a, he was healthy the whole year. Um, he's a great route runner, but it's, he's even better with ball control. Um, I know a lot of the guys that we kind of picked up in the un, undrafted free agent class some of their issues were drops, you know, just consistency and, and, and not having the hands. So obviously hoping not to repeat any of the Ebron craziness uh, fans are still bitter about that. Um, I've seen good things coming out about Javon McKinley read some things about Dedrick Mills, the, uh, the running back. Um, so we'll see. Other than that, I haven't really heard too much. I know they were using Sage Sherratt and minicamp a bit. Um, he has a really limited route tree, though, just with his stature. He's a little bit slower. He could work out as potentially an end zone target or something like that. But I also think they're geared to use Quintez Cephas that way. So 
we'll have to see how they utilize these uh, undrafted free agents. But that's the most that I'm hearing right now. All right. Thanks very much. Appreciate you it. Are, you were hoping for AJ Parker, weren't you, Ant? No, it's Devontae Beckett, the one oh, I'm you like on Beckett, the, uh, yeah. the Marshall linebacker. I really like him, but we'll see. <laughs> I put the curse on Adams already, so I'm not going to do it with him <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, man. Um, everyone uh, likes to hate on the lines from last year. You know, the, the, the management team has gone and, you know, you kind of want to leave that in the past a bit. Is there any sort of redeeming features that you can find in that team you kind of hope still remains a feature of this team or do you think it was all just so bad that we want to leave it in the past as much as we can wow that's a really good question um i would say i'm good with leaving it all in the past specifically (laughs) because i think they've put some things into play coming into this season that are meant to fully leave it in the past. For instance, the team has put together a player wellness department that includes a director and co-director of uh, player engagement and a uh, specialist, a clinician um, that, that specifies it or that works in mental health, which is obviously something very, very big in the league probably could have saved players like, Titus Young from an early, early retirement. Um, But I think they're really, really trying to put effort into, you know, that relationship triangle, ownership to coaches, to players, as far as those player engagement directors are concerned. And I think that was just severely lacking in the last regime. It obviously, a lot of pride was involved, you know, between Matt Patricia and how he spoke with players, i.e. the Darius Slave situation. So I think where they're headed is so much better. I'm good with just leaving it all behind. I want to see them work as a team, work as a family, chip on their shoulder. Let's make history. Uh, we've touched on it briefly, but as we, we, we might as well think, one of the biggest off seasons was the trade. How did you originally feel when Jared Goff came the other way? Do you feel he was a crucial part of the trade, like it couldn't happen with him coming? And how do you feel now about him being here? Has it changed at all? Um, I was not a proponent of, you know, this trade wouldn't have happened without them loading, offloading Jared Goff. Although I think, um, obviously, it was better for them considering taking on Matthew Stafford's contract and the contract that they had recently given to Jared Goff. But what I also do believe is that Brad Holmes was a big proponent in the Rams drafting of Jared Goff in the first place and that he still sees in him the ability to game manage and excel. And I think he wants to give him that second chance that second opportunity here in Detroit, considering um, the relationship that he ended up having with McVay towards the end. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think the Rams were like, Hey, we'll make this trade, but you got to take golf. But I also think that Brad Holmes wanted him. I think he wanted him in the beginning and he wanted him now. And I think that the overhaul of the coaching staff, is going to give him the best chance that he possibly could have to succeed here. I agree. Like I said, at first I was a bit shocked. Like I said, everyone was just 
getting over the fact the emotional goodbye of Matthew. He had the uh, that long video that there was no dry eyes in the room when everyone watching that on Twitter. At first, I was opposed to Goff, but I feel like he's coming like silver chip on his shoulder. He's arguably got a lot to prove. People think the Rams carried him to a Super Bowl, but we've seen like in 2017, he has the ability to put great numbers behind a clean pocket. We've brought in a we've brought in an offensive coordinator who knows him very well, uh, Anthony Lynn, who's from the LA area, so he'll know what's going to suit him. Like I say, a bit of run pass, a bit of bootleg rolling out, get the pocket moving, strong run game. So I'm hoping that we're surrounding him. We're giving everything we need and we're not just going to toss him away and draft a new quarterback next year. But I suppose that'll depend entirely how he does this year. Yeah. What direction we're moving. That plays out. Okay, I'll, I'll jump into my other question that I have. It's from Phil Coop on our, our WhatsApp group. And he asks, it's a bit of a long question, but, but let's roll with it. We've seen past situations where winning becomes a culture in a city. Pittsburgh is the most obvious example we can think of, but there's others. One of the things we don't see as much in the UK is the feeling of how much the, the city impacts the team. Do the Red Wings, Tigers and Pistons doing well or poorly impact how the Lions do? And does it feel like the tide is turning for the better? I would say as of this week, like the most immediate thing that kind of shows that the tide might be turning in Detroit is that the Detroit Pistons won the NBA draft lottery and they have uh, the very first pick in the draft, which they haven't had in, what, 51 years? So that in itself is massive. They never seem to move above six or seven. Um, before that, Steve Eiserman's return to the Red Wings, uh, coming back from Tampa Bay, where he obviously helped to create a championship team there, was good news for the Red Wings. Hockey's just a bit more of a slower developing sport. As is baseball, you know, the people that they draft, they're not immediate starters. They're not even playing for the team right away. They're, they're staying in the farm team leagues until the teams feel like they're ready to come up. Um, but they have some great players waiting in the wings. And what I think is going to be so great about all of this is that it seems like the timing might work out that all Detroit sports are on the rise at similar times. Uh, the Lions can do it, in my opinion, within the next two to three seasons. Um, absolutely, especially, I mean, gosh, we could shock people this year because our division, if Rodgers doesn't play, is kind of wide open. It's anyone's for the taking. Like the next the next team up can step up and make it happen. Um, Basketball is very different. You know, the Pistons could draft Cade Cunningham and how that turns out, they could be in the playoffs within the next few seasons as well. So the cool thing about Detroit sports right now is that I think all of them sooner rather than later are going to be on the rise. So it, it should, we should see good things coming. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, you just touched on it there. Let's, let's be uh, hypothetical. Let's say A-Rod does leave, goes to somewhere like Denver. Looking at the state of the NFC North as it is now, who would you give an advantage to? Like say you've got a you've got a you've got a Vikings team that has got a reasonable stable quarterback, but you've also got the Bears, which have that got hurt you to say, didn't it? I could see that. It, <laughs> it did, but I can't deny it. Like you say, he's he's pretty consistent. But then you've got the Bears who are could be flashing the pan, but they've got a Fields that's just waiting in the wings for Andy Dalton to make a mistake. 
I expect Fields to play a lot sooner than people think he will. And I think he could really help them. But who would you make favourites out of them too? Who do you think stronger on paper if Green Bay lose Rayrod? Who, man. Obviously, the Vikings defense has taken, has taken a few hits over uh, the past couple of off seasons. But I think while the Bears are still kind of figuring out their quarterback situation, um, and they've also lost a couple of pieces on defense as well, a big one being um, Kyle Fuller in their secondary. So I, I do see that affecting them in a way – I think they have to figure out that quarterback situation. I do think Justin Fields, as you do, is going to play sooner rather than later. Um, but then you always have just, you know, his development period as a rookie quarterback in the league. So I would give the edge to the Vikings in that they do have a relatively stable quarterback situation. You know, Kirk Cousins is up and down, but he – is more consistent than what the bears are going to find at the, in their quarterback situation. And as long as the Vikings have Dalvin cook, gosh, they're going to, they're really going to be putting the pressure on the other teams in the NFC North because he is truly something else. And I don't think it could be underrated that uh, Zimmer is probably the best established head coach in the division mm -hmm. as well. Lafleur hasn't been around long enough to say he can do it consistently. And let's not talk about the Chicago situation because that's so much worse than it's been even, I think, for Detroit and they've kept them on. So, Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, oh, go on, I'm sorry, I was about to say, I can sneak one more in before I have to go back to work. Um, sorry, Rach. Right. Um, I believe, if I'm right, Woodward, this sports you recently did an interview with Calvin am I right did they do they one? did yes yeah obviously we hear a lot over here about what's going on everything with Sheila one minute we're told the relationship's quite close to being repaired the next we're told there's been no repair whatsoever is you yourself or any of your colleagues do you know roughly a little bit maybe a bit more about where it's at have you been able to garner anything from talking to him as to where the state of things is or is it still up in the air? So the latest um, on that situation, and he wasn't necessarily asked about the team in his interview at Woodward. Um, something was said more along the lines like, welcome back to the family. And he was like, oh, I'm not a part of the family. Um, so that kind of just leads you to believe that whatever efforts are being made, they're clearly not hitting just yet. Uh, it's not seen all the way through to the finish line. Um, I think our best shot at kind of bringing him back into the fold is 100% with Sheila Ford Ham. She has shown us she is not the Fords before her. She is not her parents. Um, she is trying to bring this franchise out of that kind of oh, the Fords need to sell the family mentality that all the fans have. So I think the best shot is through her and her outreach. Um, inevitably, the team's going to need to pay Calvin the money back. I, that, I mean, he has stated that very many times. And, you know, whether you believe that's the right thing, it's neither here nor there. Um, that's what he wants. So I think that's going to be the first step that can really set the ball rolling. All right. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, like you say, uh, we've looked at the schedule. We've we've done our own reviews. We've looked at the draft picks and what we think the strengths of the team are that going forward this year. In your, if you had to give a rough estimate, what would you say the ceiling and the floor are results wise? Now we're going into this historic seventeen game season. What's the maximum we could win, and how just how many do you think we could lose? Ooh, well, (laughs) (laughs) I've been preaching, and I'm sorry if you can hear my kitten playing with this, like, ball that's rolling around. It's the only way to keep her entertained and out of my lap. Um, So I've been saying I believe they're going to be – they're going to shock some people this season, I think. Um, I have them in about the six to seven games one range. Um, and I think a lot of that depends on whether Rogers plays in green Bay too, without him, there's a strong chance we could sweep the Packers. Um, we do have some tough games on our schedules though. That AFC North slate is pretty rough Steelers, Browns, Ravens. I mean, those are some teams, but I do feel like our floor is going to be five games winning five games because this team wins the games that you don't expect them to almost every season. You know, we're losing, we're losing, we're losing. We come out on Sunday night football and we beat the Patriots. That doesn't make any sense. Right. But it's something that the lions have done for years and years, even through head coaching changes, they seem to play up and down to their competition. Something that I'm hoping they stop doing in a sense, because I want them to play every game like they're playing you know, the Tom Brady Patriots or Packers with Rogers, because they always put up such a great fight in those games. So for me, the floor is really like five games. I don't think they're going to lose any more than that. I just think they're going to squeak those wins in here and there. They, they always tend to do so. I understand what you say. Like, I think it was it. Was it last season when Washington kicked that last second field goal like we had no right to win that game we were never in right. we're getting dominated and I'm hoping that the decision to get rid of Matt Prater isn't going to bite us because like I say he has been an, a huge key piece in winning games we didn't deserve to win I totally agree there and I really think some of the inaccuracies last season were just a fluke I mean Mason Crosby missed six kicks between field goals and extra points in one game in Ford field that one year. And he's doing just fine. I'm just saying. (laughs) It seemed on red zone last year that kickers were just having a bad year. Generally. I don't know whether that was just my Mm -hmm. anecdotal impression of like, Oh, I saw a few kickers missed. And so everyone must be doing it, but it really felt like loads of people were struggling. I don't know whether it was, Kicking is obviously a lack is, is a lot of practice, right? And so a lack of an off season maybe really hurt a lot of kickers last year. That's my theory on that, anyway. So I expect Crazy to bounce back, and I hope that doesn't come to hurt us because we're we're facing him this year, right? We I are, think. yeah. Oh, it's going to be <laughs> painful. Um, who do you think might be the MVP on the defense if you had to pick one player? I know that kind of we've talked about the defense in general, but if you think someone who might set the tone, who do you think that might be? That's a really good question because there's really been a lot of turnover on the defensive side of the ball this off season. Um, 
And I want to say it's not going to be some of the veterans that they brought in on these one-year deals. I, this might be a surprise to some people. I really, really expect through the competition and this offseason and the change in the co- coaching staff um, for Amani Aruarie to step up in a big way. Um, but overall, I mean, the more obvious answer to this question is Romeo Aquara. I think Romeo is going to show us why he earned his contract extension. I don't think it's a fluke. I think he is in at that age where um, defensive tackles, I mean, really come into their own. They hit their prime. And I think he's going to have an even better season than last year, if not at least just as good of a season. Um, and I think he's going to own that contract extension. It's, it's his time. Step up, lead the way for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. It's why I bought the jersey. He had such a great year last <laughs> year. But people forget, actually, that he wasn't a flash in the pan. He had a down year in 2019, but he actually had a very good year in 2018. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's done it two out of those three years. And I'm, I've got my fingers, fingers crossed for that. So, yeah. Is there anyone you think is not going to live up to potential? Uh, because the likes, we know the likes of Tracy Walker. This is a huge year. Like, if he doesn't step up this year fit better in this simple scheme there's a very likelihood that he won't come back will harris is there any of these big names that you think could well be gone next year that aren't going to live up to potential because this safety group as a whole for me looks a bit weak like say if r2 he could very well line up there we don't know what we're going to do with him yet but who is your player that could disappoint that's got some level of expectation Ooh, um, I think there's quite a few players on that list. I would love for Tracy Walker to kind of get back to the level of play that we saw previously. I think he needs to kind of woo-saw, take a second, let the pass go, let the Patricia scheme go. Um, and I think he could get back to the his old form. Um, Will Harris, I don't even know that we know what he really has. I mean, he came into the league and from day one, it was Patricia's chaotic scheme and just, I don't know if we used him to the best of his ability. So I'm interested in general to see how he grows as a player, just kind of being done with that, with all of that, whatever you want to call that. Um, I think we're hearing positive things about Jelani Tavai, but Last season, I mean, he just failed when he had to drop back into coverage. He looked slow. He was way too big, realistically, for a linebacker that you want to drop back into coverage. He's obviously cutting weight, um, taking tips from Aaron Glenn, and they're saying good things about him, but that puts a lot of expectation on him for this season as well to succeed. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's really a lot of guys out there. Tracy Walker, Will Harris. Um, Amani Arwarie, a lot of these defensive players are going to have to show us what they've got because we're not sure if they're just not talented enough or if they were just lost in Patricia's scheme and all that that was. No, I totally agree. Like you say, I think he dropped, I think he was basically asked to buy like shed 14 pounds, something like that. And he did it. So he, he proved that he can stick to a diet plan, a workout plan. Hopefully that's going to help him with his his speed, his movement, agility side to side. But I'm also very excited to see, like I said, Derek Barnes. I, I, I'm immensely, like, we've heard really good things about him. He's got a Absolutely. good coverage. 
his pursuit is very fast. Like he's one of those mini mini guys. Like I had a comparison to him when we did the reviews of Matt Milano. I think he's built like that. He's got the speed. So yeah, there's there's a lot of roster spots here that could be very stolen. He could he could start day one. So it's 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 a big deal for a lot of guys. And we're going to see, like, say, what this scheme has to say because it's hopefully just going to be a lot simpler. That's going to be yeah. the key. I mean, and you got to love that competition, that, that that's kind of the way that they're running it. There are guys here that are ready to take your job, and I think that pushes everybody to be their best. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really talked about it explicitly, although we've talked about the coaching hires he's made, but what do you think of Dan Campbell in terms of maybe initially what you thought when he came on board and then what he said in his press conferences and who he's hired and how he's let them go about it. He's less of an authoritarian and seems to have learned to delegate compared to what he did when he was in, in Miami. Personally, I think he's a breath of fresh air coming from Matt Patricia to him. Matt Patricia, no emotion. I mean, come on, you are losing and losing. Be frustrated, be angry, show us something. We care. We want to know that you care. So I think it's a breath of fresh air how Dan Campbell has been handling his press conferences. I know he's taking heat from some of the national media because it's too fun. It's too goofy. It's not serious enough. But to me, I'm like, it's June. Relax. When he has to hone in and be serious, I have faith that he will and that he can. Um, He spent a lot of time in New Orleans. Not a bad place to be spending your time um, working with a lot of players there. And I love the fact that he himself was a player, even a player in Detroit. Um, that means he knows about the heart and the grit of the city and how to communicate with the fan base. That's why I think Detroit fans are, are, are kind of connecting with him so quickly. Um, and I feel that connection too. As far as his staff, I can't say enough good things. I mean, we're one of the only teams when you look at new head coaches and shift in the coaching staff that has a head coach, an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator that could also be head coaches that probably will be up for head coaching positions sometime in the future. I mean, Anthony Lynn already was a head coach. So to me, that's very impressive. And a lot of them were players as well. So you're taking every level of experience player, um, you know, assistant coordinator, to head coach they've seen and they've done it all so I think that helps not only make sure that you're a coach for the players but that you can succeed because you've seen it all you know what you do want you know what you don't want from top to bottom and that's very impressive to me Mm, yeah I agree I love Deuce as well he's he is one of my favorites he's just got so much energy he makes Dan look quiet which is so funny to me Absolutely. That's it. And uh, there's one person I'd say I'm glad we retained, Hank Fraley, the offensive line coach. We had for an interview in uh, Pittsburgh, but we managed to keep him around for one more year, I'd say. And that leads us very quickly, I'd say, to Penny Sewell, like one of the draft steals. Everyone says no right falling to seven. What were your opinions of the draft? Like, he looked delighted to take that phone call from Brad. He just seems happy to be here. It's a footballing family, so... It's, it's going to be a huge addition on a very good line as it is. Absolutely. I, oh my gosh, I was screaming my head off. I could not believe that he fell to the Lions. 
I was like, thank you, Cincy, for being Cincy and making that very Cincy pick, taking the wide receiver. Um, I know he had familiarity with Joe Burrows, but uh, Joe Burrows missed all of last season because he got pummeled. And that's not going to stop without upgrades to the O-line. But I was like, thank you, Cincy. I couldn't believe that he fell to us. I was screaming my head off. Um, I think that this O-line is going to be great for years to come. I mean, we've got Decker and Rag now on contract extensions. And then you've got these young guys that we picked up early in the past few drafts that are really going to help see that this line is successful for years and years to come. It's, it's, an, it's a really exciting thing. I'm all about building trenches out. Absolutely. I mean, if your quarterback can't stay on his feet, it doesn't really matter what kind of skills players you have. I agree. Like you say, we've worked inside out. We've stacked the line. Like say we've got Jonah Jackson from like a few years ago. We've still mm-hmm. got Tyrell Crosby. We don't know if he's going to stay. There is those true rumors. As offensive linemen start to drop, his heat will build. We might get a few calls, but like I say, Levi on Ruzarike and Aline McNeil. So the trench warfare is something that Dan Campbell has is installing in. Like I say, everything is going to be won at the line of scrimmage on either side. And I think for me, that's fantastic. Because like I say, without those, nothing else happens. Yeah, I could not agree more. <laughs> We, I asked you before about your best moment as, as a journalist, but as a fan, what's your favourite Lions moment since you've been supporting the team? Whew. Wow. Gosh, there's so many. I've, that's a really good question. Um, well, I will say every time I get to go to a game is my favourite. Football in person is just different it just hits so different um but I I, we could throw this back to so many Calvin Johnson highlights um when he caught the football for a touchdown with the three Cincy defenders literally they were his skin they might as well have been his skin insane and the similar catch uh versus the Dallas Cowboys he was a living breathing highlight reel I'm just thankful to have been old enough to understand and really grow my love for football during the time that he played because he created so many awesome, awesome memories. I was so sad when the Lions came over to London and I think it was Megatron's last season with the team and he was injured, I think, a game before the Wembley game. And I was so excited to see him. I was obviously a massive staff fan as well, so that was good. But I think that was the Atlanta game, which we obviously won probably uh-huh. the best game that's been played in London. So, oh, you know, yeah, with really, the field goal. It was amazing. Amazing. Just, <laughs> I, I have videos of me just basically crying when we miss. And then they're like, <laughs> why are they going back off the field? Like, oh, it was a false start. Can't they climb that? No. Okay. Here we go. We're going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes through. That was great. But I, I really do feel like I missed out on Megatron. He was he was a hero, really. And he needs to... I, I feel like the fans have turned on him. It's really split the fan base somewhat with, with the feeling on the money. Do you, do you think it's a weird thing that the fans care about the money so much? Because it's not their money. 
and it doesn't really not in the in the you know Premier League soccer. If you give some money to someone, then that's money you can't spend on someone else. But the Fords have a huge amount of money. It doesn't really impact anything that you can and can't do. So, do you think it's weird that the fans care? So there's a weird phenomenon with um, just fans of any sport in the United States, and it's something that I really disagree with. And what they think is that because you're a millionaire, you shouldn't have any gripes about money. Well, being a human, being a person, um, I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. What I, and I actually have had two conversations about this in the past two days. I think both Calvin and the team in one sense during that situation were in the wrong. And I think with Calvin, at the end of the day, he voided the contract. So as a business, they can say, you do owe us the money back. We are entitled to the money back. Now, that was his choice to void the contract, knowing that that's what could happen. But other teams have set examples for the Lions, of which they did not follow, of letting their star players that retire keep said signing bonuses and whatnot as a thank you for everything that you have done for us. And I do think it was a bad look on the team to not do that. Um, you know, we recently found out that he said, hey, would you trade me or release me? Um, and they said no. So it comes off as petty. Like, well, you can stay and play here when I know your ultimate goal is winning. And it's something that you don't feel like can happen here anymore. Or you can retire because we're not going to release you and we're not going to trade you. So that's giving him an ultimatum, essentially calling his bluff. Fine, retire. And then when he did to say, okay, great. Well, you retired. Um, give us the money back. It definitely come, came off as ungrateful for everything that he did, risking life and limb out there and putting really his heart and soul into it. So I do see it from both sides. I totally understand functioning as a business on the business end. And I totally understand his grievances with the team because millionaire or not, I mean, we just have to take that out of the equation. You know what I'm saying? People always are like, well, he had millions and millions of reasons to stay in play. And I'm like, you got to stop acting like millionaires can't have the same type of emotions and feelings about certain things that we do. We're all human. Yeah. And that's kind of where I stand with it. That's fair. I mean, loads of people blamed Rod Wood for what happened to a guy who was maybe a month or two into the job, but nothing about that and the way they handled it screams more Bob Quinn hard ass. For sure. Yeah. The smartest I'm, guy in the room, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The whole Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia, it's not rocket science shtick, where, right. you know, it proved to be harder than it is. So. Right. <laughs> I say hindsight's a wonderful thing. If we'd have just granted him that trade, parted ways harmoniously, right now he'd be in the family. He might even be a coach, like you say. Even if we're giving the money now, there's no guarantees he's ever going to be back on board, as it were. So yeah. it's, it's a very Imagine sad the assets they could have gotten for him in a trade. Yeah. Even, even at his advancing age, you're talking at the very least a first round draft pick and probably another. Yeah, like I mean, it screams Julio Jones. Like you say, you'd have expected a bit better return than that, like same point in their career. So they really missed a trick by cutting the nose to spite their face, didn't they? 
I believe so. Yeah. That's fine. Like you say, well, uh, I don't have any more questions. We really appreciate your time. It's, it's nearly been an hour already, so it's been fantastic. Ant That's says, sorry, by. I had to go. Yeah, Ant was on <laughs> shift, so he ran back into work, but he appreciates you coming on, and we, we all do. So, like you say, we look forward to seeing what you do in the future, and if we ever have you on again or do any sort of collabs, it's been fantastic. Is there anything you want to plug, anything uh, you want to put on? Um, yeah, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, obviously I went back and I was listening to some of your previous podcasts just to kind of get a feel for who you guys are and you are very knowledgeable. You guys really know your stuff. Um, so it's, it's been fun to talk with you and an honor to be here. I'm happy to come back anytime, um, for anybody that does see this. Definitely make sure you stay tuned with the Woodward Sports Network on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, and then definitely, of course, YouTube. They've got a lot of great shows running all throughout the day on Monday and Friday. It's great interaction, good people. Um, I think big things are going to come from there. And then you can find a lot of the silly stuff that I'm doing for them to kind of all give us a reminder that it's still just football. It's got to be fun, right? Um, and yeah, final thoughts. I always end everything saying, as always, one pride. As we do. Thank you so much so for coming on. Yep. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Thank you very much. Like I say, and as, as a tradition, we'll end it with a, with a one pride. Thank you. One pride.